Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to attend the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to attend the Channelized Bing Bingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com. 18 plus begambleaware.org T's and C's apply My Unsung Hero with Chelsea Grimes on Talk Sport we like I'm Chelsea Grimes I'm a singer, songwriter and footballer And the ball's played through for Chelsea Grimes you. You're listening to My Unsung Hero on Talk Sport The inspiration behind this show was basically just because I meet a lot of players on and off the pitch you know, on TV, behind the microphone. And some of the best stories don't come from the players. They actually come from the family, the friends. So I thought, why not make a show about it? Now, some weeks the unsung hero joins us. And some weeks they play up to the name and they're a little bit camera shy. So we just speak to the star. No footballer reaches the elite level on their own. And in this show, we talk about the person who played a pivotal role in getting them to where they are today. This week, I'm speaking with one of the leading players in the women's game, the captain of Manchester City and England. She scored for Great Britain at the Olympics, and on the 2016 New Year's Honours list, she was awarded an MBA for her services to football. Steph Horton with the goal. She scored once again in the last 16 of a World Cup. Hi, I'm Steph Horton, and my unsung hero is my dad, Len. She is just an inspiration to me and whoever plays the game in the women's game in the men's game you know it's just amazing to listen to the struggle the come up you know the ups the downs and you know about the people who have been there supporting her throughout it i hope you enjoy this one this is steph horton my unsung hero okay guys i am very very excited for this one i'm joined by england lioness and just all-round amazing legend, Steph Horton. Steph, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very, very excited to, to talk to you and get, get deep in your unsung hero. So we're going to kick things off with the first question we ask everyone. Steph, who is your unsung hero and why? Uh, my unsung hero is my dad, Len, uh, mainly for the reason of... He was the one that introduced us to playing football and for everything that I've achieved in my career, uh, the foundations that he set me as a a person and as a player has really um, allowed us to have the career that I have and he supported us every single day since. Yes, Len, we love it. Well, usually on (laughs) Unsung Hero, we we speak to the player and also, you know, the unsung hero, but I'm presuming, you know, Len is a bit camera shy, so he's missing this one out. <laughs> a little bit camera shy and stuck at work, so um, yeah, I think he's probably best out on missing this one. You'll probably get a bit shy if I'm speaking about him anyway. <laughs> well, I'm sure we'll be talking a lot about him. So let's start, let's talk about your upbringing. You know, you grew up in Sunderland. Tell me about your life then, you know, what was it like back then? 
I mean, obviously, come from the northeast. Um, I come from a big family. My my dad's one of uh, seven boys. Uh, my mum's one of four. Um, and pretty much my life from the moment that I could start walking, running was always sport. Um, no matter whether it was playing the street at school, and it wasn't just football. It was any sport like cricket, uh, athletics, hockey, tennis. It was just any excuse to to play some sport, sort of sport, it was always made. So for me, I've had an unbelievable upbringing. I come from a, a pit village who are very sporty, but also so supportive. And I think we always talk about women in football and girls who grew up in football and the people around us really made it a possibility, really. I think they always supported everything that I did and they knew that I had talent, but they always kept my feet on the ground and... Um, I think everybody says never ever forget where you come from and your upbringing and I certainly wouldn't be able to do that anyway. Yes, well, you haven't lost the accent and neither have I, so that shows that we've stuck to our roots. You just mentioned a few other sports. Obviously, you mentioned cricket. I was never really into cricket, but for me, it was always... I played a bit of tennis, but mainly football. Um, you know, did what was the age when you were like, all right, you know what? this is what I want to be and was being a professional always just up there for you? Yeah, I mean, probably at the time when I was playing like all different sports, I never ever regret that because I think you learn so many different skills from doing different sports and um, the reason I liked cricket was because in our village we had a local cricket club and that was the thing to do on a Saturday was to go and support the team and there was like a little bit of grass next to the cricket field when the lads were playing cricket, like all the kids... Um, of the, of the parents that were playing would all just play and it was either football or you'd actually play cricket and I think it was really when I was about probably 10, 11 um, at the time I think I was doing so much sport other than football and my nights were taken up by so I used to do taekwondo and used to play cricket I used to do stuff at school and there actually was no more free nights to do anything else and mum and dad were like look you can't really do everything and I think always the sport that stuck out was was football and I knew at the time that I couldn't really class it as a profession and it wasn't something I was aiming to do because ultimately there was no opportunities there for girls to do that and uh, but I knew I always wanted to play so it was kind of like okay I just need to make sure that I keep working hard at school get good grades uh, but still train with Sunderland at the time as much as I can in the local team uh, Bolden as it was then um, and just try and keep playing football just because I loved it so much and I think it was only until I was about 18 that I was like right okay well I could actually make like a living out of this and a career out of it as, uh, as I went on As a curling effort, it's brilliant from Steph Horton, the immediate reply what a fantastic strike from Horton When I was growing up I played in a boys team too, I'm not sure if that happened to you if you were in mixed teams and did you ever encounter any problems or difficulties playing in the boys teams what's your point on that yeah I think my first ever team was my school team and that happened to be a mixed team and uh, there was me and my best friend um, and my cousin Amy that there were that there were only girls that were allowed on the team and um, I think in terms of problems I think it's more people being judgmental and actually forming an opinion before they've actually seen your player and because I was a girl um, and I can always remember being picked ahead of someone, uh, ahead of one of the lads in my first ever game for the team. Um, and I know on the sidelines, I think even my mum and my dad had heard other parents kind of like saying little things. They'd say, why is she playing? Um, 
she's a girl, she shouldn't be playing. And it's just this automatic judgment and perception that because I'm female, I should I don't have the right to be on the pitch. And I think for me, I was probably strong enough and meant, uh, tough enough to kind of go, right, okay, well, I'll prove you wrong. I'll um, make sure that you don't want to judge us anymore because I'm going to prove that I'm actually better than your son and I'm better than most of the lads on this team. And it happened to be a good day because I ended up managing scoring two. Um, <laughs> and I can remember the day just like it was yesterday, I think, because it meant so much to try and go, right, OK, well, I've got every right to play a sport that I love as much as the lad next to us. And I think once that moment was over, I think you start to see people accept that actually girls have got every opportunity to play football as much as the lad next to us. Yeah, it's honestly, I remember being the only girl in my primary school team and before kickoff, like a few of their team, like, oh, they've got a girl on the team. And I was like, I was only a kid, you know, like 10, 11. And I remember just feeling like I was about to cry, but I didn't, held it in. And then I went and scored. And when I was running back to like the halfway line, I was like crying and like, it was so emotional, <laughs> but like, obviously, you know, uh -huh. people don't see what we had to go do. It was, it was difficult back then, you know, my sister mm -hmm. plays now, she's 11 and it's completely different. And they're all, it's just, it's amazing how far it's come is the point of that, I think. You're listening to My Unsung Hero on TalkSport with me, Chelsea Grimes. In this series, I sit down with some of the best footballers to have ever played the game, speaking about the people who've played a pivotal role in getting them to where they are today. The foundations that he set me as a, a person and as a player has really allowed us to have the career that I have. This week, I'm speaking with England captain Steph Horton, whose unsung hero is a dad, Len. Steph also mentioned the number of influences from within the game who she also sees as unsung heroes because without them she really wouldn't have made it to where she is today. Some of them include former England manager Hope Powell as well as former club bosses Michael Mulhern, Vic Akers and Nick Cushion. Steph is just so humble, she's such an inspiration and you can tell when talking to her you know she's still so so thankful to those who have helped her throughout her career. This is Steph Horton, my unsung hero. the age of nine you know you're scouted by Sunderland it wasn't professional then but how often did you train and is it true that at the age of nine you were actually training with 16 year olds <laughs> yeah that's true I think <laughs> um the story was that um my mum and dad sent us to um a Sunderland soccer school you know like in the Easter holidays where Basically, they just want to get you out of the house. <laughs> They've probably had enough of you after one day and I wasn't the best person to be in the house anyway. Um, and they're like, right, okay, go with your mates, go and have two days at this course. And ultimately, I got scoured there after two days. They're, obviously, Sunderland were trying to build a centre of excellence, a girls team, and they were like, right, okay, well, why don't you come and train with us? So I was like dead excited, I can always remember. And I remember turning up and my dad took us and he was like, is this the right place, Steph? And I was like, well, I don't know. I says that you've got the address, like, we'll see what it is. And he's like, God, these girls look a bit too old for you. And yeah, my first ever session was Sunderland with under 16 players, which is, when I think about it now, it's absolutely crazy, but I would never have changed it for the world. I think you kind of have to grow up quick, um, especially in football in terms of, you want to show them what you're about, but at the same time, you've got to obviously change the way that you do things, maybe because you are playing against bigger bigger girls and older players that have played a long time. But yeah, I can remember that day like yesterday and um, it's surreal when I think about it now. 
That's incredible. I mean, yeah, the things you'll have to learn quick playing against under 16s <laughs> when you're nine is probably like grow another four feet in, in an hour. <laughs> Even um, like the language that they were using, I was obviously never really around people yeah. that swore or whatever and stuff. And it was just like, oh my God, like, <laughs> I don't really know what to reply or what to say. Just kind of like dead shy. I was dead shy anyway and probably a little bit now, but even then I probably didn't even say anything for about five, ten <laughs> sessions probably. <laughs> Yeah, you come out your session and you potty mouth and to Len on the way home. He's like, yeah. what, what's going on? I think on? he was like, are you in a state of shock? And I'm like, I don't actually know what just <laughs> happened. <laughs> okay, so I try and every part of the episode as well, really make someone like yourself, you know, think back and like remember your first time. So like your debut, if you could sit there for like a good five seconds now and just remember that feeling. I mean, did Len give you any advice? Like what, what feeling was that like to make your debut? unreal I think like now I'm like I probably I'm just smiling because I'm just like it's everything that I ever wanted to do and to get it at the age of 13 and I know that I've been playing well for Sunderland Reserves and I got the call up from the manager and he was like right okay you're going to be on the bench today against Lincoln and I was like oh my god like dad like I'm actually on the bench like and he's like oh just take it all in like it doesn't matter if you don't come on like just just learn off all the girls, enjoy the game. And I think I can remember we were um, we were drawn 1-1 one, one, and the manager said, go and get warmed up, Steph. And I was like, me? Nah, surely he's lying. Because there was actually two Stephs on the bench and I was like, oh, it must be the other one. He's like, no, go, you go and get warmed up. And I think he came on for the last 20 minutes and actually scored, um, which was... I think, Yeah, I mean, obviously that would never be able to happen now, but I think you kind of just go on and you just kind of just go, right, okay, I'm just going to enjoy myself. And I think I had that attitude go, well, he's actually trusting us, the manager, to go on and play. And I think that was the last thing my dad said. He was like, just just take your chance and yeah, just show them what you're about. And to have, have that experience was amazing. To have all the family there watching was uh, pretty cool as well. She rolls it to Steph Halton who slams it in low through the crowd of players. And England take the lead. You also make your England debut in a 6-0 win over Russia, March 2007. Again, another proud moment for you and your family. Can you talk us through that? What was that like? Yeah, I mean, um, I can. I think we played at Milton Keynes that day. And um, I told my dad that I was going to be on the bench. And I was like, look, dad, I don't even think I'm going to get on. Like, we've had so many players in the squad. Like, it was a World Cup like qualifying year. We'd... The competition was massive and we had so many players. I was like, don't even bother coming down. It would just be pointless coming from work straight away to travel three, four hours in the car. And he's like, no, look, Steph, I'm coming. Just in case you get on for a minute. And yeah. I think obviously he's probably the best decision he's ever made. Bless him is just like traveling down straight after work with his mate to come and watch. And um, I think, yeah, I mean, you kind of think it's so surreal to come on and to play in a game with the likes of Kelly and Fear and Rachel Yankee and Farrah Williams who are absolute legends and for them to help you through your debut and um, have that moment that your family can enjoy was uh, obviously a massive moment for everybody. Well, we're going to take it from the biggest high to maybe a potential one of, one of the biggest lows for you yeah. very quickly, but this is what this is about. Um, you know, you broke your leg, ruling you out of the 2007 World Cup. How hard was that for you to take and, you know, your unsung hero, Len, how important was he in that process? 
Yeah, I mean, obviously the story was that I would have been probably the youngest player to play in a World Cup. Um, me and Jill Scott would go and work um, up home in the northeast, and we'd go and do our running sessions together. We'd have to go Gateshead and do our strength sessions, and I think it was two days before we were about to fly, and it was my very last session that I had to do. Um, I was jumping over like the racing hurdles, and it was like continuous jumps, and I just literally clipped one a tiny bit with my shoe. <sighs> And just rolled my ankle and I was just like, oh, this is not good. Um, obviously got rushed to hospital. Um, said I had like a spiral fracture of my ankle, which obviously automatically ruled us out of the tournament, which was, I was absolutely devastated because you're so close to going. And yeah, for, the, for them few weeks and watching the tournament over there wasn't nice. Obviously it was a, a three month recovery and I was young. I'd never really experienced a big injury like that. So the likes of my dad and my family were were massive in that sense I think uh, people probably don't know what you go through in an injury but you're obviously sitting at home alone you have to do rehab ex exercises that are not really interesting whatsoever but he was always like look Steph this is your new training program now it's this is what you've got to do and even if you think it's boring you're going to have to do it and you've got to get in the right mindset to be able to come back better and um, I mean, I'm not going to lie, it wasn't always perfect. There's sometimes when I was like, I don't want to do it, Dad. Like, what's the point? Like, I'm missing a World Cup for this, blah, blah. And, of course, there's discussions and arguments. But at the same time, I think you give yourself an hour and you go, right, OK, well, he was right. Um, and you kind of reflect in the sense that for this time only, you are right. And, yeah, he was amazing, obviously. He, he knows what I'm like. He knows that, like... I love my football, I love training and that's what I do every single day so to have that taken away from us was going to be tough And but I think everything happens for reasons and that reason was for me to have an opportunity to get even better and become stronger not just physically but mentally as well. Yeah, I don't think people people understand you know, as players how difficult it is for you guys when you go through something like an injury you, um, you know, 2009, the Euros you missed that as well with um, cruciate ligament. You know, is that probably the lowest part of your game and your mindset when you do have an injury and you're missing out on stuff like that? Yeah, massively. I think obviously injuries stop doing what it stops you doing what you love to do, which is to be on the pitch. And when you're rehabbing and you're not sure when you're going to come back, I mean, the ACL injury was probably the worst because I knew for a fact I was going to be missing a year of my career yeah. and. At the time, I was actually starting for England. I'd played really well in the Cyprus Cup and I looked to be going into a tournament where I was going to start at centre-half. So, I mean, it just was just seemed to be every two years I was getting injured and from freak injuries as well. I mean, the hurdle one with my ankle, but then this one was a tackle where I didn't even get a penalty. That's, I'm still mad about that now. How <laughs> it wasn't a penalty, I don't even know. But, um, yeah, I mean... People always laugh about my skinny legs and the fact that I've got the skinniest ankles and I'm just like, yeah, well, for me, I wish I had a bit bit more muscle on there just because obviously probably maybe I prevented these injuries. But yeah, I think every sports person goes through it, um, whether the major injuries are little niggles. I think psychologically it, it just really like irritates you because you just want to do everything properly. You want to be out with your teammates on the pitch and... There's some lonely days, but ultimately you just got to try and stay focused. And I had an unbelievable support network, not just from my family, but obviously England, my club at the time, who were leads that were supporting us every step of the way as much as they can. 
plenty more to come on Steph Horton, my unsung hero, including how being appointed England captain left her family and unsung hero in tears. Obviously phoned home, I think. Both my mum and dad were crying on the phone. My brother was absolutely over the moon. He was just like, you're taking the mick, aren't you? I was like, no, Stuart, I'm not. I'm, I promise this is true. This is Steph Horton, my unsung hero, with me, Chelsea Grimes, on TalkSport. Hold that, please. Level five. Thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertz and the Bypassal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertz and the Channelized Bimbingus of the Bypassal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Steph Horton, my unsung hero on Talk Sport. You're listening to My Unsung Hero on TalkSport with me, Chelsea Grimes. This is the show where we get to talk to some of the best footballers to have ever played the game and also talk to them about their unsung hero. You know, the people behind the scenes who don't get enough credit for being there on the good times and the bad. Now, some weeks the unsung hero joins us. Some weeks they play up to the name and they're a little bit camera shy. So we just speak to the star. He was the one that introduced us to playing football and he supported us every single day since. This week, we're talking to England captain Steph Horton, whose unsung hero is her dad, Len. Let's give Len another little shout out here. So, you know, what what advice, because this is what this show's about, you know, not only speaking to the players, but talking when things go amazingly well and also you know when you hit a few low moments in a career early on or later down the line what advice did your dad give you when you were thinking about making this a real profession for yourself I think he was like just you've got to be committed 100% it's not like you can just one day be committed and then the next day you can't I think everything that I wanted was was there for us and it was just whether I wanted to kind of take it and work hard to be the best and to represent my country and play for big clubs like Arsenal and Man City and he was just like you've just got to get your head down and work hard and you've got amazing coaches around you make sure you listen and make sure you try and improve every session and look I think the reason he's probably my unsung hero is probably you don't see the conversations we have when potentially some things have gone bad or I haven't played a, a good game I think there's that honesty and trust that I get from that he actually gets it and um, 
he's not around every single day in terms of watching what I do in training, but he's there when I need him the most. And I think from the beginning of my career, I had so many ups and downs and it was a bit of a whirlwind. And to try and get used to that, you need people that are constant in your life and who are going to give you that advice. And But ultimately, just go, right, OK, well, you can't change that now, Steph. You've just got to get on and you've just got to work hard and get fitter, get stronger, listen to your coaches and just try and do the best that you can. Howden, his double team goes up between them, heads it down, far post. That makes every coach proud. You've gone on to become one of the most important players in the history of the England national team. Um, you were appointed captain in 2014. Do you remember that moment? I'm sure you do, but let's go through it again. Yeah, I mean, I think that moment there was probably... If I asked, like, what my dad's proudest moment would be, would probably be named England captain. I think all the stuff that I've achieved in my career, he would still say that to this day. And, yeah, it was really surreal. I think, obviously, the new manager came in, Mark Sampson, and uh, I can remember having a conversation in the January, which was his first first month and the first month of the camp. Um, and he was like, right, OK, well, we've got two games and I'd like you to be captain for one. And I'm like, who me? Like, I'm 26. I've only probably got about 30 caps. Um, there's people that have got over 100 caps in this squad. They've got more experience. And at the time, I was captain of Arsenal. So I think that kind of helped in terms of I'd been doing that for six, seven months of that season. And... I'd done all right, and I think that maybe put him put is in his mind a little bit. So anyway, captain in terms of there was me and a few of the other girls had the rotation of being the captain, and and I remember in April he was like, I just had a phone call off, and he was like, could you come to reception? And we're in St George's Park, and if if you've been there before, literally it's just like big sofas where the reception is. And I was like, well, where should I meet? He's like, just come reception, and we'll just sit and chat. And I was like oh, this can't be good. It's like nine o'clock at night. Like, what have I done wrong? I'm trying to go through the day of what I've done. Uh, have I filled in my forms? Like, <laughs> have, I done my, have I done my gym kind of thing? You're down yourself. But it was obviously the best conversation. I think he was just like, so how do you fancy being my captain? And I'm like, you're joking. You're actually joking. I actually didn't have a clue. And he was like, no, I'm being serious, Steph. Like, we need someone for the future of the team, someone that's going to be, be able to play and lead the girls. And he's just, and he was like, so is that okay? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, but don't tell anyone. I was just like, oh, <laughs> can I not tell my dad and my mum? Like and he was like, thing. obviously phoned home. I think both my mum and dad were crying on the phone. My brother was absolutely over the moon. He was just like, you're taking the mick, aren't you? I was like, no, Stuart, I'm not. I'm, I promise this is true. And... I think from that moment to keep that a secret for the next couple of days was um, was hard, but ultimately the the best conversation I've ever had. I think. Oh, incredible! Yeah, well, you'll be good to keep in the Christmas presents a surprise then if you could keep that. <laughs> I try to. <laughs> oh, Steph, honestly, just talking to you about it, you know, like I said, you're a massive inspiration to me and pretty much every girl who enjoys the game. You're just incredible. But let's talk about the World Cup. 2015 in Canada, you know, you took the team further than they've ever been before in the World Cup. You know, you eventually lost in heartbreaking fashion to Japan in the semis. Yeah. Just talk to me about the memories in that, the highs and the lows for you on a personal level. I think, obviously, excited to captain the team in a World Cup. I think, ultimately, um, we had no real expectation on us to go and do anything over there. I think the expectation on ourselves was just a take it take a game by game and see where we go and 
ultimately the strengths of that team was that we had so many players that could do so many different jobs and everybody knew the role in the team and everybody had a part to play whether it was in the first game or the last game and I think as the tournament went on and every game went on we got stronger and stronger the performances were better and we didn't play the best football in terms of everybody liked watching us play but we were certainly effective and we found a way to win and yeah we have so many memories from going there and winning a bronze medal and probably one of my most enjoyable tournaments I think just because we got on the pitch right as much as we could but off the pitch we created so many memories with each other that everybody was able to enjoy themselves and that obviously showed on the pitch as well. And obviously that's got to have helped I know already you're going to say yeah but your experience then you know leading on to the 2019 World Cup um again as captain by this point you'd made over 100 caps so how different was that to 2015 for you I think from us going into that time we really had the belief that we were going to win we thought we had the players to do that we had a squad that was had a great blend of youth and experience that can come on and perform in the world stage and we had a really good build-up to the tournament but I think we were nearly there, but we just weren't good enough in that semi-final pitch, uh, semi-final game against America. I think the first 20 minutes was an opportunity for us to take the game to them, and they got a hold of it quicker than what we did, and they probably had more experience of playing in them semi-finals than we did, and um, obviously playing in front of big crowds. But ultimately, it was an unbelievable tournament. We did as best that we could and we were just short on that final bit of quality. Steph Horton, when she scored England have never lost, she steps up right footed, oh it's saved, oh it is saved down to the right by Elisa Nyer and England have missed another penalty and they've missed it at the most crucial time of the World Cup with seven minutes remaining in the World Cup semi-final. When that semi-final, you know, if you, if you look back at that, did, did it take you know, a minute to get over that or was it just boom out your head right let's um, knuckle down I think there's obviously missing the penalty didn't really help in the sense of that obviously there was a lot of speak there's a lot of talk about me missing it and why I should have took it and but obviously the manager and the, the goalkeeper coach was like Steph you're taking the penalty so step up and I felt as always brave enough to take that and ultimately on another day that probably goes in or I connect with it better but I think in terms of getting over it we obviously had a game two days later against Sweden which Everybody was desperate to play and we had a chance of winning a bronze medal again. And um, I think we just, to get over that semi-final as a squad was so much harder than it was in 2015 for some reason. I think maybe because of expectation, because we're playing games at a higher intensity. I think we just kind of ran out of steam at the end of the tournament. And you use like, we had about two, 10 days, two weeks off to kind of, rest and obviously go on holiday with you I went on holiday with Stephen or to go on holiday with a family and you try and use that to try and get over it but it it takes longer than two weeks to kind of get that out of your system and obviously now I think when I'm talking about it now I'm like so frustrated because I'm just like <laughs> we were so close yeah you talked about the penalty there I mean there was a lot of there was a lot of talk about that but you know for you what what's Len like in that situation there what do, what did he say yeah. to you after that I mean, obviously, you can tell by his face that he's good. I think more just for everybody, not just for me. And um, I think his words were, look, like, I can't be any more proud of you. You've had an unbelievable tournament. You've played every game. You've done everything you could. And you didn't mean to miss the penalty. It, it, just, it just happens. And I think sometimes you just need to say that. And 
I think the nicest thing was after that game, all the families came back to the hotel and we normally wouldn't do that. But I think Phil was like, look, get all the families back. Um, there was obviously loads of them travelled out and it was, I think that at that moment in time, you'd probably just need your family. I need, I need my dad, I need my mum, I need my husband. So it was just kind of just to see them and go actually put things into perspective. And yeah, we all wanted to win. We all wanted to win a semi-final and get to that World Cup final, which is what the target was. But... I think you realise that it is a game of football and your family are always going to be there and it was just so nice to see them at the end because sometimes you just need a hug, don't you? And and it was like, right, OK, now you've got to get ready for the next game and that's how I kind of worked. It was like, right, OK, I'll use tonight to get over it but my focus now is to try and win a bronze medal for, for us against Sweden. What's, what's your dad like on the sideline or your mum? Like you mentioned, or your oh. husband. I was going to say your fella then. That's so scouse. <laughs> yeah. What are they like? Is the a shouter? Is the, you know, what's the vibe there on the touchline? Well, my mum's like a little bit like, oh, that was good playing. I just don't think she really knows like what's kind of going on. Stephen's quite quiet. Obviously, him playing, fo- him playing football yeah. previously, obviously, he watches and we always have conversations when I get back. Uh, but obviously, when we score, like all jumping all over. But... My dad, I can hear him on the sidelines still. Like, even when I was, like, younger, he used to shout. He used to <laughs> get so frustrated with the referee, frustrated with my teammates. And I'm just like, Dad, shut up, man. You're embarrassing. And even now, like, I can always hear him if when the games were allowing crowds in. Like, at the Academy Stadium at City, I can still hear him. I can hear like, what is that? Come on, like, get it together. Come on, City. And I'm just like, oh, my God, that's my dad. And they're like... Can you not just ignore him? Like, well, no, he's the only Geordie person in the whole of the crowd, so it's probably going to be my dad. But, yeah, I think he, he gets so involved with it, which I do find it cute in terms of, like, he probably knows more about my fixtures and who we're playing and about the opposition. He's mad on Twitter, find out the team news and all this kind of stuff, whereas I'm a bit like, Dad, I don't really want to know all this information, but I'll let you say it because it's just something that you really enjoy. And, yeah, I mean, just to have him on the sideline, it just makes my day, really. Yeah, it's it's another question that I've been asking all the guests that have been on the show. You know, we talk about people in the crowd and being amazing. and But, you know, sometimes it does take a bad turn and the abuse that professional footballers suffer from the stands, um, the pressures of playing, you know, the mental health side of things. It, it's, it's a big thing. And we really speak about the difficulties, how this could be for the player's family. You know, some, some of the family members that have come on have said, you know, they've been sat two rows behind seeing, you know, their family member getting abuse. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I wouldn't want to be sat two, two lines in front of your dad because he sounds like he'd it, give it back. Honestly, well, every game, I mean, they don't miss a game, whether it's home or away. And we always get, like, say, four free tickets on a Sunday for home games. And you probably hardly get any for away games. I'm like, right, OK, well, to the um, administrator, I'm like, I kind of need 15 today. And she's like, <laughs> Steph, why every time? Like, And I'm like, I know, but they all want to come and watch. But yeah, I think that's the hardest part for the families, I think, at the games. And when you probably hear people saying stuff about me or even some of the other family's daughters, I think it's really hard to bite your lip. And I think I know previously when I used to go and watch Stephen play and I'm listening to... Bradford fans speak about and I'm dying to get up and say something yeah. because obviously you, you start to be protective and you love them and you want to kind of have the back but you've just got to learn to to bite your tongue and he's like I think the biggest thing is that whenever people do say something I kind of always prove them wrong in a way with my performance or 
all the stuff that I've done previously. And I think at the minute he's got a big bugbear about Twitter and people's opinions and yeah. um, whether it's team of the week. And he's like, I, sometimes, Steph, I don't know how you don't make team of the week. And I'm like, Dad, like, just leave it. it is what it is. Like, as long as like we know that I'm doing okay, my manager's happy, then that's all we can do. And he's like, can I write something? And I'm like, no, Dad. I'm like, this is just going to cause the biggest arguments ever. And I'm just like, let's just be quiet. Like, silence speaks louder than words. Yeah. And you just kind of go on. But I understand from their point of view, they want to kind of stick up for the daughter. And um, obviously my teammates as well, when people are quite negative. And I think the more successful you are as well, I think people are quite quick to jump on to... Any negative that does happen, whether it's a bad pass, you concede the goal or whatever it might be, people are quite quick to shoot you down. So I think that comes with the job and ultimately it's about accepting that and sometimes you have to probably have them conversations with your family, but ultimately they understand more more now than ever. Steph Wharton will be hoping to lead England to the Euros in 2022. And we'll also be hoping to make the plane to the Olympics in Tokyo later this summer. Up next, we delve into Steph's experiences at the 2012 Olympics, her club career at Man City, and how proud she is of the steps the women's game has taken. It just blows my mind sometimes. I'm like, I'm so proud of everybody that's actually been through that journey and actually helped get the women's game where it is now, but also the faith that clubs have got now in how good this sport is and how good it can be. You're listening to Steph Horton, my unsung hero on TalkSport. Steph Horton, my unsung hero with Chelsea Grimes on TalkSport. Hi, I'm Steph Horton, and my unsung hero is my dad, Len. So your dad, Len, I heard he, he was a bit of a baller, wasn't he? Was he semi-pro? <laughs> yeah, he was semi-pro, I think. Um, obviously, back then, you probably played for two or three teams. He didn't just play for one team, and he used to play for a Saturday team, which was his semi-pro team, and then a Sunday team, which was the local football club. But yeah, he... Um, he still thinks that he's a better centre-half than me and he scores better free kicks. But, um, yeah, we'll put that one to a probably um, a vote. But I think ultimately he's probably... I know that he was one of the best footballers in the village. The people that I speak to were like, oh, yeah, Len was a great footballer. He was very talkative. He was competitive. He wanted to win. And I think I get them sort of traits from him, um, especially that competitiveness. I think you always just want to win, even if it's it a game of cards or a game of Scrabble, you, you want to always be the winner. I was going to say, yeah, at Christmas, um, what's it like playing board games in your house? <laughs> oh, yeah, there's plenty of fights and there's plenty of cheating, but yeah, I mean, they do get competitive, but um, hey, I, I absolutely love the fact that that's what, what we're all like. It's not even just me, it's my brother as well. Like, it's like you kind of win at all costs and it's like even just bragging rights for the night that you've won. <laughs> Yeah, whoever loses in my house has to do the dishes, so I do everything to avoid that. Um, no chance of my brother doing that, to be fair. <laughs> Steph Horton, oh, yes. what an equaliser! And really well played and well worked that. 
we talked a lot about England, but we, we can't leave this conversation without talking about the Olympics because, I mean, just to say that you've played in the Olympics is pretty <laughs> special, right? Um, just talk to me about the Olympics, Steph. What was that like for you? I think when people say, like, what is your favourite tournament or, like, what is the tournament that you always want to be involved in? As a footballer, it's always like, I want to be part of a World Cup. Like, that's the pinnacle of your, your career, but... To have experienced Olympics in London was out of this world. I think it wasn't even just the football part of it. I think it was being around so many unbelievable athletes that have worked so hard over four years to to be there and to watch them work and to celebrate each other's success. It really opened my eyes in terms of there was just no jealousy whatsoever. It was all about supporting each other and ultimately with Team GB and we wanted to get as many medals as we possibly can and that ethos was unbelievable and I think being so young and experiencing that like really kind of paved the way for me to be better and to be more supportive of my teammates and to try and be successful together but to experience London 2012 and to be in the Olympic Village um, to be around these athletes but also to play at some unbelievable stadiums which at the time we'd never ever done before um, was you never forget them experience and you look back to the goals that we scored the victories that we had we we had such an amazing time like that's why I'm so excited for this ne- this next Olympics because I want other people to experience what we did I mean you scored in each group stage game as well <laughs> yeah <laughs> from like, left back and, yeah you got named left back of the tournament great Britain score the first goal of the London Olympic Games is scored by Great Britain fullback Stephanie Houghton. What was your favourite memory of that tournament? If I'd probably say one. the Brazil game. The Brazil game at Wembley, I think. To be able to play at Wembley Stadium uh, for one was a dream come true. To have 70,000 people there supporting us and to obviously beat Brazil, who had one of the best players in the world, Marta. Um, I mean the odds were kind of stacked against us and to obviously score was just even <laughs> you pop up. just kind of topped it all off to be honest I think me and, me and Ellen never slept for like about two days after that game we were just like oh my god did that happen the adrenaline's just running and yeah it was it was unreal and I think it really for us personally as players but for the women's game it really kind of I, I think that was definitely the turning point in terms of people actually trying to take the game seriously and really push it forward oh just incredible Steph what dreams are made of we're going to refocus on your club career you know you join Arsenal from Leeds in 2010 spend three successful years there before joining City where you remain today. Firstly, you've pointed out to us, you know, some key influences in your career. Um, Michael Mulhern, former Sunderland boss, Vic, former Arsenal manager, Laura Harvey, um, Nick Cushion, former managers, coaches. You clearly have a lot of respect for, but how important is that? Do you think that's why you've become such a respectable figure in the game? Just because, you know, you've got so many thank yous all the time and you genuinely are a lovely person. I've had the pleasure of speaking to you a few times now and you're just amazing on and off the pitch, Steph, honestly. Oh, thank you. Um, Yeah, I think obviously all the managers that you've named have played a a pivotal role in every step of my career, not just at the time, but now I think back to what I've learned from them. Um, All of them are unbelievable people that have always... (laughs) 
I've always respected them because of what they've done, but also the way that they were with me. And when you have your family on top of that, I think I've been so lucky to have all them amazing people around us um, every single day. You know, Steph, when it comes to matters off the field as well, you were awarded an MBE in 2016. Um, you know, just going back to the beginning of this interview and you're talking about the patch of grass that you might have played on at the side when, you know, people were playing cricket. When you look back of what you've actually achieved, and I don't want a PR answer or anything now, I want the actual <laughs> Northern Steph to talk to me. Like, can you believe it, what you've done? Nah, no. I didn't have any expectations to do anything like I have so far in, in my career. I think even when I'm talking about little stuff, I'm just like, oh my God, that actually really happened. And you have to pinch yourself sometimes. And I mean, obviously you mentioned the MBA and like, I mean, a few of the girls always kind of take the mick in terms of that. I've got that after my name. And sometimes I just forget that I have it after my name. And yeah, I mean, that was a surreal moment to think, You've obviously been recognised for all the hard work that you've done, not just for yourself and your family, but for the game in general was amazing. And I don't think anybody knew that a girl from South Eton was able to go and visit the Queen and uh, get an award like that. So I think when you have them moments, you like, you think, OK, this is special for me. But for me, it's always about my family. I think that was a day for them uh, to be able to take, obviously, Stephen, my mum and dad, my grandma and my brother to something like that was, um, yeah, just to see the smile on their face and how proud they were. It just means all the sacrifices have been worthwhile. Len was a happy guy that day. Um, I'm yeah. sure he was, you know, he was happy as well. Just reading, you know, the list of honours, you know, you've led City to two FA, two FA Cups, three Continental Cup successes, um, the FA Women's Super League title, as well as London, the PFA Merit Award in 2019. You know, when you look at the facilities and the setup at City from where you've come from, you know, from where I've come from, when the women's game, like you said, wasn't even professional, how proud are you as well to still be here and just to see the change, what's going on in and around the game? <laughs> still hanging on, still here, but yeah, I mean... <laughs> no, I've been for Like, that's what I think I'm, like, more proud of is because I've actually seen both sides of kind of the game in terms of the facilities we used to train on the, the we used to only train once a week and we were lucky to even get a pitch with floodlights and you're playing until it gets dark until you can't we even were lucky see the ball to get anymore a kit. And you know what I mean exactly so like we hand me down kits kit. first team kits that um were extra extra large men's and you turn <laughs> up to training and you've got one set of kit and you haven't appeared to play and to now be able to play on the pitches that we do and to be able to get the right nutrition to get the, the right recovery strategies and it's just it just blows my mind sometimes I'm like I'm so proud of everybody that's actually been through that journey and actually helped get the women's game where it is now but also the faith that clubs have got now in how good this sport is and how good it can be oh it is it's crazy it's insane how far the game's come um, I'm just super proud to to see everyone up there like yourself. Um, we're coming to the end of it now, but you know, what would you say your proudest moments being? We've touched on a few, which is you were like, that's up there. And also, you know, what do you think your dad, um, Leonard say, was his proudest moment watching you play? I think England captain was probably the proudest moment. I think for both of us, I think, um, 
I think mainly because you're able to play for your country, which is an unbelievable honour in itself. But to be able to lead your country is a whole different thing. And I think because we never expected it or never presumed it, made it even more special. And yeah, I think definitely for both me and my dad, I think that would be my proudest moment and his proudest moment of my career so far. And looking to the future, you know, what's the goal? <laughs> I think for me, I mean, obviously I'm really enjoying my football at the moment. Um, I'm absolutely loving playing for Man City. I feel as though I'm playing well. So just to kind of make sure I stay at the top of my game, be the best centre-half that I can be in this country, but also in Europe and win titles with City. But obviously my aim is to win something with England before I retire, I think. I've always wanted to do it. We've been so close the last few years, so that would be a nice retirement present if we were to to do something special in the Euros or even at the Olympics next year. And last question, Steph. Um, you know, would you be where you are today without the advice, the guidance and the help of your unsung hero, do you think? No, not a chance. I mean, I owe a lot to him anyway, just in general, but... I think in terms of my football career, I think without him, um, I think there's not a chance I'd be sitting here talking to you today. Oh, Steph, thank you so much. And I kind of feel like Len was with us, so thanks to Len as well. <laughs> I'll but, make um... sure I'll fill, uh, fill him in. He'll be like, I'll have a pint later. So, <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with everything, Steph, and I can't wait to see what else you go on to win. <laughs> oh, thank you. It means a lot. Thank you. You've been listening to Steph Horton, my unsung hero, with me, Chelsea Grimes. I mean, for me personally, to be able to sit down with England captain Steph Horton was a dream. And she's just even nicer than I ever imagined. Um, There's no one else I'd want England to have leading them out. What an absolute legend. A reminder, if you missed any of the show, you can listen back on the TalkSport app. Next week, reality TV star turned footballer Mark Wright reveals who his unsung hero is. Everything I do, I look to see if he's impressed a bit, especially football. I always turn and make sure I know that he's proud and that his opinion matters so much. You've been listening to My Unsung Hero with me, Chelsea Grimes, on TalkSport. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertzen the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertzen the Channelized Bimbingus of the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chattel sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how.